HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, here with our executive director, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hey, all. Hey, Katie. We are also here with Julia Childfellow, Jordan Warner. Hello. Our intern, Sam Lee. Hello, hello. And uh, we have a pretty big change this week, guys. David Tadashore is not here. What? But never fear. We've got Vitor Hirsch in the booth making us all sound good. Hey, Vitor. Hey. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? It's going great. Great. All because of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and we have a new soundboard with Vitor. In it's the all studio. because of the new soundboard. It's not me. It sounds great. It does sound different. Right? I'm a, yeah, it's great. Told you. Good job, guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, today on Happy Hour, our guests are a dynamic duo behind the Twitter account Tweets. It's an infamous food account of Twitter's corporate cafe. Which, that sounds really ominous. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's undoubtedly changing the way we see corporate cafeteria food. Their names are Amelia Eckes and Sarah Fitzmaritz. Amelia was the former GM of Tweets and is now the regional director of operations for Guggenheimer. And Sarah is the new GM at Tweets. We're so happy to have them here. Welcome, guys. Thanks so much. Hi, thank you. And welcome to Brooklyn, Sarah. Thanks. I'm a first timer. <laughs> we're really happy that you're here. Um, before we interview you guys, we're going to um, give a little rundown of what's been going on on the HRN shows this week, tell you about some events coming up, and then finish the show with trivia, our favorite part. So let's get started with the headlines. Vitor, do you have our news music? He's, he's, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, I like this news. Okay, great. This is different, and I really like it. Or are we do- we're going back to news. Ah, oh, there it is. All right. 
Okay, this week, Eating Matters got wonky as host Jenna Liu talks about how international trade policy affects our food system with Ben, Lil- with ben Lilliston, the Director of Corporate Strategies and Climate Change at the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Listen in to unpack the effects NAFTA has on our food system over the past 20 years and the potential effects that re- renegotiating the agreement could have. Then on Snacky Tunes, Grateful Dead groupie turned top chef Joseph Centeno comes in to talk about his new cookbook, Bacho Vivid Recipes from the Heart of Los Angeles. And then later, Lydia Gamel and Madison Velding Van Damme are one half of the New York City post-punk band, The Wants, joined in to talk about their upcoming album. We then jo- join Dave, Nastasia, Booker, Matthew, uh, and Matthew from Booker, Booker and Dan- Dax Customer Service, and Arielle Johnson from MIT to talk about Booker's independence, <laughs> Nastasia's anger harnessing class, <laughs> the Sears all, the Spins all, mushrooms, durian, batching Manhattans, cocktail aging with sous vide, the plural of Negroni, and why you should cook two Thanksgiving t- uh, turkeys, and more. What a boring show. <laughs> <laughs> And on this week's Meant to be Eaten, uh, one of my favorite food people, Krishnandu Ray, an NYU food studies professor and author of two books on immigrant foods in America, joins us to talk about why searching out the most authentic ethnic cuisines can be a problem, how social media has democratized food, and why expensive Chinese food is in our future food forecast. And finally, on A Taste of the Past, Linda interviews Dr. David Shields about his new book, The Culinarians, Lives and Careers from the First Age of American Fine Dining. Tune in to hear about how David traces the lives and careers of 175 chefs, caterers, and restaurateurs who raised the profession of cooking and fine dining in America to an art form. So those are our headlines this week. Just a little taste of what's been going on on the network this week. Is Vitor still in there? Or are we just going to have to listen to <laughs> news music? <laughs> More news all dun, the time. Dun, dun, like dun, die hard all of a sudden. <laughs> Every, everything is news. Uh, thanks, Vitor. I like that first music you played, too. Maybe we should just change the news music. I think that was just a mashup of the theme song with the news in the back. So I can try to Ooh. remix it. Oh, yeah. Remix. That would be awesome. Custom. All right. All right. Okay, those are our headlines. Check out the all of our 35 weekly shows on heritageradionetwork.org. And now we're going to move on to events. All right, don't forget that on November 15th, uh, Michael Harlan Turkel and Harry Rosenblum will be at the Brooklyn Brewery to host the 17th round of Sumo Stew. 17. 17th. 17th. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, eat like a sumo wrestler from 8 to 11 p.m. And you can also indulge in a bento box filled with traditional Japanese dishes. And they are all made by local chefs. For tickets, head on to uh, eventbrite.com and search sumo stew. You might even meet a real sumo wrestler. I did last time I was there. And it was so cool, guys. <laughs> oh my God. I, I went to the last one in Brooklyn at, at Brooklyn Brewery, and it was very, very fun. Uh, you get to say camp compa. Kanpai. Kanpai. I like, couldn't say it. Amelia, you know about Kanpai. I know all about Kanpai. We'll I know talk too about, much about Kanpai. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Um, uh, other events coming up. So today we just announced that we announced that we are launching our end of year drive. Um, we have had a lot of growth this year, and we are hoping to keep pushing that into t- 2018. Um, November and December are a very important fundraising period for us here. Um, there are a lot of ways you can get involved. You can become a member. Um, you can join us at our first ever holiday party and tasting at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden on December 4th. 
Yeah, you can. We have an amazing lineup of chefs that are going to be there. Tickets just went on sale today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash holiday and be one of the first people to grab a ticket because you are not going to want to miss this. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, we also have first and first coming up is our charity buzz online auction. We have some amazing auction lots there. We have a foraging trip with Katie Button in Asheville, a farmer's market tour and cooking class with chef Steven Satterfield. Um, we have a Nashville day with Manit Chohan. Um, so we also have some modernist cuisine mm-hmm. tours. Um, Life coaching with our very own Dana <laughs> Cowan. This is something that you do not want to miss. If you want to get hooked up and connected in the food world, totally, you should take advantage. Dana is going to take two lucky people to have lunch at a restaurant that has not been decided yet because she's going to make sure it is the hottest new place. So that will be something that you guys will decide on on (laughs) booking. But uh, seriously, Dana would be an incredible mentor to anybody. And so this is a really, really cool lot. Absolutely. We have, I think, eight lots total, and they're taking place in different cities across the country. So it's an opportunity if you're listening from L.A. or Seattle or Charleston or anywhere, you can bid on one of these auction lots and support Heritage Radio Network and have a lot of fun having an amazing food experience. Um, So I also wanted to note that normally Hannah Forden would do this part of the show, the membership update, but she uh, was at the courthouse today. For she a good was reason. unavailable because <laughs> she had a great day. Congrats, Hannah. Chris. Congrats. <laughs> uh, and elsewhere around the city, there's an event, Attention Cheese Lovers. On December 6th, it's the Great Northeast Cheese and Dairy Fest. The event will take place at Flushing Town Hall, showcasing the very best artis- artisanal creameries from all over the region. You can go and sample more than 75 cheeses, which I know there's no such thing as like the right amount of cheese or like enough cheese, but like 75 might get close. I'm like, can you though? Can you actually sample 75 cheeses? I'm saying that like as a person who's very lactose intolerant. 75 is the right amount of cheese. Um, with wines, beers, and ciders to pair. For tickets, head to eventbrite.com and search Northeast Cheese and Dairy Fest. Also, speaking of wine and cheese, but mostly wine, Jordan and I went to Raw Wine this weekend, and it was super, super fun. And look out for Jordan's interview with Isabel Legeron. Am I saying that right? Yeah. She was so nice. I was super intimidated to talk to her, and she was the loveliest human. She was amazing. And I think the next day after that, she went to Vice Munchies and did some shoots. So we had the scoop on that. (laughs) The scoop on the raw wine. You know, you always hear it here first on Heritage Radio Network <laughs> Happy Hour. Yeah. All right. So that's that's our recent news. Um, once again, I want to welcome our guests, Amelia Eckes and Sarah Fitzmaurice, the team behind Twitter Cafe's food account tweets. All right, guys. So for people who don't know, if they're living under a rock, what is tweets? <laughs> So Tweets is our uh, sort of corporate cafe for Twitter's headquarters here in New York. We serve 350 tweets, as we affectionately refer to them, (laughs) the Twitter uh, employees or team members. Um, We serve them breakfast and lunch every day, uh, and we also have an array of snacks all day long that we provide, and we do their event service as well. Um, And Tweets, at T-W-E-A-T-S, pun intended, um, (laughs) is the account that we use to communicate to them what we're serving that day, exciting foodstuffs, and to sort of talk to the greater New York City and national uh, sort of food-focused people that we want to be in conversation with. 
How long has the the corporate dining as it exists now? How long has it been around at Twitter's headquarters? Uh, just about two years. And what what was like the impetus for starting that? They moved offices, um, so there's always been sort of a free food culture, if you look at the Google culture. Um, so we, Sarah and I both work for a company called Guggenheimer, where we do corporate sort of cafe. I have nixed the word cafeteria. It's banned from my lexicon because mm-hmm. um, we're really trying to change the way that people eat in the in their offices in the corporate environment. Um, so we have sort of tried to make it fun and make it cool. Um, that's something that's been around since Google started doing it, uh, since the idea of a campus as a workplace started. Um, and so we're really trying to make sure that we're pushing it along and it's it's a new idea every day. What are some of the cool things that you get to do every day um, outside of just a typical cafeteria or cafe? Sure. Um, so we do tons of fun stuff all the time. Um, most recently, we love bringing in guest chefs. So Twitter came out with um, their Twitter food account and the most tweeted about, the top 10 tweeted about restaurants in New York City. Um, that came out uh, yesterday. So we had Chef Carmen from Union Square Cafe come in, and he was a guest chef. We had Russ and Daughters in, and they brought their babka, um, locks and bagels. Wow. And we also had um, Fuku from Momofuku, and they brought in their uh, spicy chicken sandwich. So it was a really fun day in the cafe cafe yesterday. You caught yourself. Um, I like that. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> really fun day yesterday. Um we love to bring in guest chefs. We, you know, do fun pop-up ideas. So in addition to our in- normal daily offerings, we'll do a meze pop-up. Um, we do surprise snacks. So we'll bring in local vendors and, and food people, and they'll, you know, set up a little shop. And we tweet it out on a special surprise snack account um, that all the tweets get notified. So as soon as we tweet it, they come running down. Literal um, running. <laughs> like actual speedy running. I've never seen people run in New York like this. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, so what are some of the, like, greatest hits among the tweets? Oh, man, the Swedish meatballs. Um, so our chef, Chef Mark, he actually comes from, most recently, Marcus Samuelson's Red Rooster. So he's got kind of a Scandinavian influence uh, in his cuisine, and his Swedish meatballs are they're amazing. I can probably eat 16 or 20 of them in one sitting, which I probably shouldn't say publicly on air, but I think I just did. Um, <laughs> yeah. My goal was to get that sound. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, That just threw me off. Oh, yeah. Pork belly is a huge hit. It's a huge hit. Pretty much things that are huge hits in restaurants are also huge hits. I mean, we sort of have to remember that the folks that we're feeding are the most outgoing. They go out to eat, they go to the best restaurants, they love to be informed about what's going on. Twitter's um, you know, motto or, or brand is what's happening, and that's what you write in the little box. Um, and they really know what's happening in the food scene, so we're challenged to keep up with it constantly. No tuna salad and French bread pizzas going on. No in the, tuna in the salad. And pizza's actually a super interesting point of contention. When we first started <laughs> opening up, we had this incredible pizza oven. Like, you're in the middle of New York City with this beautiful kitchen. There's restaurateurs all over that would be dying to come in and work in this, like, massive space that we have. There's this huge pizza oven. And they're like, yeah, we need a pizza program. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. These are a bunch of New Yorkers that eat the best pizza in the world yeah. for a buck a slice every single day. So we changed out the way that we do it, and we fresh make our dough every single day. And then we do it on the grill, sort of um, Al Forno style for a throwback to Providence. Um, and it's all super fresh ingredients, and it's smaller portions. So it's a totally different experience. And we have to kind of take those things into consideration. 
So Amelia, tell me how you, where were you, what were you doing before you ended up with Guggenheimer and with Tweets? Um, what led you there? So I come from a, a restaurant and a food family and background. Uh, my mom and my sister are both partners in a culinary agency, the Lisa Eckes Group, and my father had a barbecue restaurant in western Massachusetts. Um, so I was doomed from the beginning. I was, <laughs> I was always going to be in the restaurant business. I think I tried to do something else for about six weeks and realized I was never going to succeed. Um, so when I came to New York, I went to NYU to study food activism because uh, they have such an incredible food studies program, their business school, and their social entrepreneurship program. Um, and I just started working in restaurants in the city. I ended up at a private club called Neue House over on uh, on the east side. And I was really loving what I was doing there. And, and Guggenheimer actually approached me and said, we have this super cool opportunity. And I was like, absolutely not. No way. I have, do not want to work in a cafeteria. I do not want to be a lunch lady. No way. And they were like, well, we really want you, like, we really want you to hear about it. It's not your normal cafeteria. It's for this you know, a little tech company, Twitter. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Um, and then once they told me about it, it was just such a great opportunity to be able to be creative and kind of play around and really stretch my wings that I just sort of fell in love with it. Awesome. And then when you moved into your new role and Sarah, you came um, into it, what was like that transition like? And Sarah, what's like your background that brought you there? Yeah. So unlike Amelia, my family is not in the restaurant industry. Um, and they, my family always told me, don't go into it, you're going to hate it. Um, but ever since I could remember, I wanted to be a chef. Um, so my background is actually in the back of the house. Um, before I joined Guggenheimer, I was the exec chef at a prepared foods and boutique catering company in Connecticut called Small Kitchen Big Taste. Um, and when I transitioned to New York, moved to New York and joined Guggenheimer, I had the opportunity to switch over to the front of the house. So I thought, you know... What an awesome opportunity, a great experience this could be for me. Um, I was mentored and, and trained by Amelia in the very beginning. Um, my first couple of months were at Twitter, training with her. Um, so having worked at Twitter and worked under Amelia and having her guidance, the transition was super smooth, I would say, between the two of us. And, you know, the culture of Twitter is is very much in line with how we all think, so it was easy to kind of jump in and take over the Tweets account and really um, do those fun activities that they're looking for, um, but I could not have done it without Amelia. <laughs> awesome. That was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're going to take a really quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to ask you guys some more questions, and then we're going to get into some trivia. Yeah, let's um, do it. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets.
All right. Welcome back to HRN Happy Hour. We are here with Amelia Eckes and Sarah Fitzmorris, the team behind Twitter Cafe's food account tweets. Okay, guys. I want to talk about the desk lunch. There's a lot about sad desk lunch, a great desk lunch. What do you guys think makes like a really great desk lunch? I think no desk mm-hmm. makes a great desk <laughs> lunch. And I know that sounds just sort of contrary, but the wonderful thing that I love about the tweets situation is that it's all communal tables and it forces you to stop working. And sometimes you need a second to stop working, get some distance, talk to some other people, run into somebody you've never met in the lunch line before, the concept of casual collisions. It's a great way to sort of get that added benefit, and it will affect your productivity in the long run. Obviously, our company is super focused on what we call nourishing inspiration, so making sure there's a balanced meal, making sure the portion size is right, making sure that the sort of nutritional component is right, Um, and then the experience is a huge part of that as well. It's not just about, you know, eating a balanced plate. It's about making sure that you're eating it around people that are exciting and engaging and you have the right format for that. So I would say 86 the desk altogether. Nice. Um, so how many people are, are you typically feeding, uh, at, at Twitter? 350. Right. And are they, are like the vast majority of that population of people coming in to the cafe and eating every day yeah. yes i like to say that we have 120 percent participation awesome <laughs> they bring all their friends yeah. instead of going out to restaurants they bring them to the twitter cafe so, so they're allowed to bring people in to come eat with them that's yes. awesome note yeah. to self make twitter friends yeah, yeah. yeah. well that, it's kind of become a thing now like okay who do i know at twitter so we can get in and, and eat lunch there i'm like yeah this is a really super exclusive restaurant i'm on board <laughs> And I met you guys at the James Beard House because I was interviewing a couple chefs from Atlanta who had just come through and done a guest chef thing. How do, are you solely reaching out to chefs to bring them in or is there a way for like a chef to be like, I would love to come cook for your people? Tweet at us. (laughs) We actually have made a ton of connections um, by folks tweeting at us and saying, hey, we really want to hang out with you guys. We want to do something cool, whether it's a surprise snack. And it doesn't just have to be chefs. It can be um, food products, people who are making things. If you're testing something out, it's a great platform to get feedback. Um, so we've done that with everything from cold brew coffee to I really want to have the um, the layered cake pop lady in that yeah. you guys interviewed a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, she was awesome. I'm, like, really into her. I want her to come, come by. Um you know, we've had a lot of different experiences. I met um, Homa from the the White Mustache Yogurt, and she was. I met her at the Fab Conference in Charleston, and she was talking about uh, whey and the waste. And I was like, we have to solve this problem. And so she did a an event with us where we had um, her whey pops, which was super fun. So we love to engage with people. If if anybody is interested, please tweet at us. It's at t w e a t s. So Amelia, I have to ask you because right after we met. We had to kind of regroup a little while later because you went out of the country for a while. I did. I went to Japan for a month. How was it? It was amazing. (laughs) What were like the highlights of your trip? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, I'm a hospitality nerd. I'm a full-on hospitality nerd, and the hospitality there is incredible. I mean, I won't, I'll save you guys the whole story, but there was one place that we stayed that was a bed and breakfast with a restaurant component, and our last day there, we were getting ready to leave, and of course, they were going to drive us to the bus station, and they said, you know, oh, there's a temple next door, they, they said it in Japanese, so I don't know if I understood it all, but there's a temple ne- you know, next door, and there's like 400 steps, and you guys probably have time to do it before you leave, like, great, awesome, we'd love to do that, I said, you know, I only brought sandals, I wasn't planning and hiking do we have enough you know can I do it in my sandals 
I go to my room to change. I come back, and there's sneakers in my size waiting for me <laughs> outside of my wow. room. Yeah. I was like, this is incredible. I need wow. to move here and be like learn from them. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I also want to ask you a little bit more about Guckenheimer as yeah. a whole, mm-hmm. because um, you both work for them, correct? But, correct. you know, obviously, you're kind of like the face and of tweets. Um, tell me a little bit more about that company as a whole and, like, what other maybe accounts they have. Yeah, absolutely. So we have um, over 300 accounts across the country. Um, we actually started in San Mateo, in uh, California. We're based out of San Mateo. Um, and it was Dr. Richie, our founder, uh, making sandwiches at the Stanford campus. And that's how this whole thing began. And it just kind of grew um, into this behemoth of a, of a corporate dining company. And our focus is really on the the clients that want to be health focused and that want to be productivity focused and that really care about giving the best product to their employees. Um, there's a lot of corporate dining companies out there. Uh, I won't necessarily name any names, but there's a lot of large companies out there that they kind of just put open a bag and put it out there. We make everything from scratch. We don't have any cans. We don't have any freezers. All of our stocks, everything. And th- that was sort of the deal for me. And I know Sarah feels the same way. If we're not making really great food that we're proud of, it's it's not going to cut it. So we're able to really do kind of restaurant quality food um, at a really sort of large scale. And, and we're, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And, it, you know, Guggenheimer gives our chefs the ability to, to kind of do what they please. It's a very chef-driven company. Mm-hmm. Um, Chef Mark, for example, um, you don't find very many people in his shoes that kind of transfer over to the corporate dining scene. Um, but he is really able to be super creative and unique in what he's doing. Um, he has the ability to do that, the platform to do that. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Amelia, but all of our entrees since you've opened mm-hmm. have been 100% different. We have not repeated one menu item once. Except um, for the Swedish meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> we had to bring that one back. Um, you know, we don't run on cycle menus yeah. like mo- most companies. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're very different in breaking the mold within the industry. That's amazing. And how big is the team at the kitchen? Twitter right now we have 17, 17 guys wow. in the kitchen and out on the floor and in our coffee shop. And um, they're amazing. They're awesome. They really work their butts off and, um, you know, create that team family feel. Um, and so really it's fun. It's fun working with all of them. Yeah. What are, are there any big uh, guest chefs or, or other events coming up that you're really excited about? Yeah. So next week we're bringing in um, the meatball shop. Nice. We love them. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, on our show. Give us a call. Meatball Come on by. Um, Mr. Bing, if you've Ooh. heard of them. So they're like an Asian street cart crepe. Um, Jumping. They're so good. Yes. Uh, they're lined up. We don't have a date set yet. We have Emma Bengston um, for December. She's at Aqua V and mm-hmm. one of the only... Uh, female chefs that have a Michelin star. So yeah. that's super exciting. So yeah, we have some really great people lined up. That's so exciting. All right. Well, I think it's that time of the show when we do trivia. Oh, geez. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Can we, let's can we do it. Into the cookies before we get to uh, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Guest of the <laughs> Guys, wait. You guys get a guest of the month because you brought us treats. Yes. <laughs> Can you guys tell us about what this is? Yeah, so I made some brown butter chocolate chip cookies. Um, They were one of our signature cookies where I worked um, in Connecticut, Small Kitchen Big Taste. They're 
they're pretty good. <laughs> I made a couple extra for the team before I left, and, oh and they were super happy. Thank, Thank you. you. They smell amazing. Thank you. You're gonna, everybody's going to hear the crispy yeah. unwrapping. <laughs> oh, my God. And we got some sick Twitter stickers oh my God. for our laptops. I'm sad that oh nobody God. can see or smell this cookie right now. <laughs> we'll take a picture. It's tall. They're huge. It's like, yeah, it's like huge. an inch tall. And there's a huge chocolate, like, chunko oh swirled my. across the top. I think Jordan's going to take a picture It's like, of this is maybe oh one of the God. most beautiful cookies that I've ever I've seen. I've been smelling Thank it, and I thought maybe I was, like, hallucinating because I didn't see anything <laughs> on the table. But I was like, everything smells like chocolate. It's the brown butter. Well, it really changes the game. I'm going for it. I'm taking a bite. Okay, All great. right, how is it? Oh. Moment, moment of truth. I can't speak into the microphone, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes! yes. yes. All right. Beatour will save you one, too. Don't worry. So buttery. <laughs> that gets the big reaction. Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. Thank you. Wow. All right, so our happy hour trivia this week in honor of both of you it's all about corporate dining. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> and I have to be honest, when, when, I, when I scrolled through this and saw Sam had written trivia questions about corporate dining, I was like, this is going to be interesting. These are really fun questions. Okay. I thought they were fun, at least. Okay, I'm excited. Okay. Question number one. Architect Frank Gehry's first work in New York City was actually the cafeteria for what magazine publishing company at their former headquarters at Four Times Square? Oh, jeez. I have the slightest idea. A magazine company? Magazine company. Food and wine? Conde Nast? Mm. Yes. Oh. Conde Nast. <laughs> nice. All right. Question number two. The social media gaming company Zynga, spelled Z-Y-N-G-A. I, I almost thought Zanga, which is different. Um, the gaming company Zynga has their own herb garden, fittingly located near the studio where a team works on what popular game? It's a Facebook game. Oh, I don't even know. Oh, have oh, the farm, farming, something farming. Yes. Oh. Farmville. 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 You had it. Okay. You had it to you. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Nice. I also really love that working at, at Twitter or for Twitter, you just said, I don't even have Facebook. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I'm you better brand. not. <laughs> I'm really brand loyal. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, question number three. According to a study by the Hartman Group, what percentage of Americans eat lunch at their desks? It's multiple choice. Oh, it's okay. multiple choice. Okay, is it 26%, 92%, 12%, or 62%? 62. 62. Correct. Oh, Nailed it. You were both so confident. Had you yeah. seen that stat recently? No. no. <laughs> You're also speaking in perfect synchronicity. <laughs> oh, God. This happens sometimes. We spend too much time. But that stat is not true at Twitter. That is correct. Absolutely not. Zero percent eat lunch at their desk. Okay, question number four. Back in February 1999, what chewy candy became the first ever company snack that was ordered into the Google office? It has to be a Tootsie Roll, right? Starburst? No, you're closer with Starburst. Chewy candy. Swedish fish? Yes. Woo! They love <laughs> their favorite. Swedish fish. The engineers <laughs> love the Swedish fish. Really? Yeah, it's a thing. Do you have we them in Twitter? That. Yes. We do. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Swedish meatballs thing. and Swedish yeah. fish. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a sense of happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, number five. What online travel company often has themed meals, including a Kanye West dinner that featured a dish called Jesus Walks? Online travel company. 
What's cool and hip in online travel? Airbnb. Mm. Got it. Woo! I am like, I'm really good really well. <laughs> Maybe the best ever. I'm pretty sure yeah. no one has ever gotten that many trivia questions uh, right. You pretty much got all five right. <laughs> this is amazing. I love trivia. <laughs> All right. Yeah, guys are such good sports and, like, really good at trivia. I think we're going to have to have, like, a, a trivia of champions, like Jeopardy. Yes. yes. I watch yes. Jeopardy every night and DVR it, so I am all <laughs> on board with this. How champions you, round. You guys did, are in. How did you feel about, who was the, the recent bartender from oh, New York yeah. on it? Um, oh, my God. What's his name? Totally you should have him come by tweets, though. He... Yes, I. But only if I can capture his facial expressions <laughs> in in on Twitter all the time. <laughs> that was Austin Rogers. That's yes, it. Yeah. Yes. And then they like went on Jimmy Fallon, and they were like they went way back randomly, like they were their friends. Really? And he was like, "Dude, I've seen you. Like, I used to go to your bar all the time." It doesn't surprise me that Jimmy Fallon is friends with weird New York City bartenders. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I would, would expect that. nothing less. Me too. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Our guests today were Amelia Eckes and Sarah Sarah Fitzmartz. Um, They're both from Tweets. You can find them at Tweets. T-W-E-A-T-S. You got it. Go check it out. It will make you you never want to eat a desk lunch again. That's safe (laughs) to say. All right. I'm Kat Johnson. I have been here with the fabulous HR and Happy Hour crew, Katie. My mouth is full of cookies. <laughs> Jordan and Sam. And, My mouth is full of And Vitor. Thanks, Vitor, for filling in for David today. Thanks, Vitor. You did an awesome job. All My right. pleasure. We will see you next week. That's our show. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.